This week on the Vergecast, we talk about AirPower, the new AirPods, some Dell laptops, what's going on with Android Q, and all the things Google killed. Support for the podcast comes from Canva. Presenting to a group of your colleagues can be nerve-wracking, so why not ease some of that anxiety with Canva? Thanks to their AI, you can start with a simple prompt and watch Canva go to work. Choose your favorite style, customize the content, and that's it. You're done. It's a serious time saver. Whatever you do for work, Canva presentations can give you a head start on your deck. You generate sales presentations, marketing decks, HR onboarding plans, you name it. Finish your deck faster. Generate slides in seconds with Canva presentations at canva.com, designed for work. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. If you're a small business owner, you know that it isn't just your business, it's your life. And whatever your business might be, you want someone who understands. That's why you might want to check out State Farm Small Business Insurance. Why? Because State Farm agents are small business owners too, living and working in your community. That means they know what it takes to help you personalize your policies for your small business needs. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. That's the first cast. Hello, and welcome to the Vergecast, the flagship podcast of The Verge and the Vox Media podcast system. Oh, for $24.99, you guys. We will send you a complete <laughs> system. It's actually a multi-level marketing situation, but you can sell your friends that system for only $24.99 as well. No. If it's the whole system, who gets to be the sysadmin? Ooh, that's pretty good. Mm. Anyway, I'm Neilai. I'm your friend. Dieter Bone is here. Hello. Paul Miller is here. Hello. Uh, so we're going we're gonna to start by showing some stuff. There's some news to talk about. Plenty of news. But first, I want to I ask you, the Roach Hustle listener, to do me a favor, which is go vote for us in the Webby Awards. The link is right there in the show notes and your app and on the web, wherever you're seeing this. We've been, we've been nominated for a Webby Award for a technology podcast. And I think we're the best one. And you should let the people know by uh, clicking that link and voting for us. You can also, why'd you push that button? Nominated in the lifestyle category. You should vote for them because Ashley and Caitlin are amazing. That show's good. It's coming back, by the way. They're, they're already in pre-production on the next season. And then lastly, this one is very dear to my heart. Verge Science has been nominated in the video category for science and education. Verge Science is amazing. The work they are doing yep. on that channel is absolutely tremendous. They deserve, I'll just say, they deserve more than we do. I mean, we're great. You should vote for us. But if you only have mm -hmm. one yes. button to click on the web today. Oh, wow. Uh, should be for the science folks. So go click on the Webby Awards, find them, vote for everybody. Uh, that would be very nice. If you only had one click per day in a web browser and you only got to use one web browser, what would you click? The Webby Awards. <laughs> but see, if you get click on the Webby Awards, that's you're done for the day. That's your one click. Oh, no, I'd get a I'd get a Toby eye tracker and then I would <laughs> check the system. All right. Wait, wait, Paul, does it in your system, does a keyboard count as a click? Oh, you got to do the, that tab navigation? Well, I'm just asking, because yeah. you can go to like theverge.com and hit return. You haven't clicked anything yet. Yeah, you're right. Anyway, I'm saying if, if no, no keyboard's not a click. If you only had one click to give, I would I would I would say use that click today uh, to vote for a Verge product in the Webby Awards, uh, potentially Verge Science. All right. All right. There's one more thing I want to plug, which is this is the end. You're listening to this on a Friday. This is the end of our first inaugural Creators Week of coverage. We are really thinking hard about the next big thing for the Verge to cover to do. Obviously, now we got our start bunch of gadget bloggers here talking to you. That's where we began. We started The Verge because we realized the gadgets we were covering the most, phones, were about to change the world. I'm going to go ahead and say that happened. Yeah. You, uh, what you should say is we were right. We were super right but, about mm. phones changing the world <laughs> uh, when we started The Verge. That was that was our idea, was that the 
the culture that technology is creating, particularly because of mobile, would impact the culture. We were correct. It did, in fact, happen. And now we're thinking about what's the next big thing that technology and culture are going to create. And the more I thought about it, the more we thought about it, talked about it, the more we looked at our coverage, it is obviously the fact that so many people can become entrepreneurs doing creative work using technology and platforms. You can What you're trying to say is is TikTok. TikTok. Right, but it's TikTok is the future. When I was a kid, there was no ability to just like be in my bedroom and be like, I'm gonna tell jokes and something, 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 and I'll be famous, right? And now that yeah. happens all the time. Because you just have you have a phone with a great camera in it. You've got access to the internet, hopefully. You've got a platform that can distribute your work to lots of people. There's so many connective pieces of tissue between what the verge is, what we cover, what we think about, and the fact that there's this like generation of accidents entrepreneurs. Would you say it's overstating it to say like when I was a teenager, I dreamed of being in a successful indie rock band and now teenagers dream of being a YouTuber? Yes, I think that's exactly right. Mm -hmm. And the ability for kids, whoever, to access those dreams is real and it's totally been created by technology. So what's the, what's the next thing I want us to like think about and really, really understand uh, is creators. And I, I think very broadly, if you look at our Creators Week coverage, we are thinking about that super broadly. Kickstarter companies, little hardware startups that use Kickstarter and Patreon, Instagrammers. Instagram has, uh, Ashley Carmen wrote a piece this week, Instagram has an entire talent development studio. Hollywood agents like working in a building, there's like 100 people that just look around on Instagram for the next people they think are going to be stars. And the dude is quoted in Ashley's piece. He's like, the main thing I do is I just click on my explore tab and like look around, tap around, see who's hot, bring them in. That's wild. That's a wild reality we live in, that that's how we create stars down. They just like look around on these social apps. Uh, YouTubers, obviously we, we, Dieter's a YouTuber. I pretend to be a YouTuber sometime. Like (laughs) uh, that is a huge economy that is totally changing. Julia Alexander has a piece tomorrow that basically charts the, the, the rise and change of creators on YouTube over time and how that platform is changing, how they're, they're pursuing much more advertiser friendly content, much more family friendly content. And the sort of original class of YouTubers feels uh, shortchanged. Like that's a, that's a big meaty story about access to technology and what we do with it. SoundCloud, we cover music. Where do some of the biggest rappers in the world come from? They are, they're all SoundCloud kids. I think that story is huge. It's everywhere. It's not like we are the only ones who see it. But I, I think the next thing that we can really focus on is what are the technologies that these people are using? Like hard, literally hardware. What is the, I think the biggest camera story in the world, when it happens, will be Sony adding a mic jack to the RX100. <laughs> Straight up. <laughs> Like, it's great that the <laughs> Huawei P30 can, like, see in the pitch black. Like, that's wonderful. But the day Sony puts a mic jack on the RX100, every YouTuber in the world is going to buy that camera. It's going to be a yep. sensation. That's connected to what we do in a very deep way. Our platform coverage, right? Casey Newton's writing about platforms all day. How do they moderate? What, what's allowed? How are they distributed? Net neutrality. How do you see these videos? If AT&T starts throttling YouTube because they want to show you Warner Media stuff, like, it's a big deal for this economy. So this is our first week. We're like trying out all the different coverage areas. We're, we're, we're writing big stories about that world. I'm obviously very interested to see what clicks and what doesn't. I also think, just to be really honest, I don't think anybody's doing journalism for those communities very well. And there's a lot of trade pubs, there's a lot of like, business people. But when we write about music and music law, we actually get a lot of thank you notes from musicians because they're like, thank you for explaining this to us because we are here to make music, not to be lawyers. So I'm very invested in this. Check out Creators Week. Let me know what you think of it. 
Like if we're doing the right thing, it's it's new. I think it's deeply connected to everything the Verge has ever wanted to be. But it's it's to me it's it's under it's underappreciated how much of a change has happened in our world because hardware, cheap hardware cameras, cheap software, plus platforms, plus fast internet has like created literally what I think of as a generation of accidental entrepreneurs. Well, you remember like early mid 2000s when people were very very excited about the internet and they're like anybody can become famous and it's going to be many to many instead of one to many and it was all very techno utopian and it was this, this promise that this was coming or happening and we're all like yeah yeah sure whatever and you know some people made it as bloggers some people didn't uh, but very quietly it just is like very commonplace now and everybody's doing it we just happen to have picked some you know terms for it like influencers or creators that get co-opted a little bit by like brands, but it doesn't that doesn't actually change the fact that that techno utopian vision sort of came true while we weren't looking. It's just not quite as utopian as you know everybody hoped the the internet didn't completely fix everything. It broke a lot of things. and are you kidding me? Navigating what that world is actually like now that we're living in it uh, mm. is really fun. I take that point all the time. Like you read the sci-fi and then every, every now and again you see the screenshot of some like sci-fi book from the 40s and it's like, this was predicted. But it was always a little bit shinier, a little bit more perfect. Mm -hmm. And like the reality is when you make have a bunch of, of people just making entertainment, you cannot predict taste, right? And so much of this culture is about people making a new kind of entertainment and it's just all over the place. And it's a little, it's... Not even a little bit messier. It's a lot messier. Yeah, the way the culture develops is completely, it's not random, but again, it's unpredictable. Like, you look at TikTok and, and what lands or what doesn't is, uh, you know, completely uh, hit or miss. Oh, my God, dude. <laughs> <laughs> I, like, when I was learning about the internet, like, buying magazines to read about the exciting things of the internet, you know, like, that was the era uh, in, like, the early 2000s. I remember reading uh, in a magazine a quote about how there's some kid in a garage making the next, like, great film because of the democratization of these tools and of distribution. And I feel, and that's kind of what I thought would happen. And I ended up being, like, really, I guess I was wrong in the sense that what we ended up making, what new creators made with the more democratized tools was not the old forms. Like at the same time that there were new form, new tools, there were new and new platforms, there were new mediums. And I, I feel like that's taken me a long time to get used to the fact that you're probably not going to get a random kid in a garage, make the next blockbuster film, but they're going to make something that the blockbuster film industry can't make and can't compete with. A really good example of this is when iMovie first came out. Literally the first iMovie required a new iMac with Firewire port and a DV camera with a Firewire port. The whole story of technology is just what ports you're using. Uh, but when iMovie came out, mm -hmm. the first one, I think Apple had like a, it was like a Scorsese or an Oliver Stone. It was like, you know, one of these like major directors and they said essentially the same thing. These are the tools of new filmmakers. Blockbusters mm. will be made this way. And that's just isn't true. Like, you just look at Blockbusters. It's <sighs> the Avengers. Like, do you know what it takes to make a Blockbuster now? Thousands of people, like, making CGI. But on the other hand, you can make movies like um, Tangerine, yeah. right? No. With an iPhone. I, but then you need to go to full editing suite. Yeah, well, whatever. My, my, I think Paul's yeah. point is the predictions where this will replace the thing or these people, yeah. these tools will help people grow into the, the mainstream and we'll still have all these gatekeepers. And the reality is there are no gatekeepers. You can just start publishing, which is amazing. That's how we started The Verge. Yeah. 
So to me, this is like deeply connected to the whole thing. There are gatekeepers, though, it turns out. There's YouTube algorithms and there's, you know, news apps, whatever. But there are still open platforms you can publish on, which is great. All this, by the way, is Neil I working his way up to troll me to talking about the new Apple Clips update, <laughs> and I'm not going to do it. I'm not. Come on. Oh, no. You're the one user, Please. man. They literally, I've had that in my pocket all day. When, I, when they put, you know, the, app, the update notes in the app store, it's like, Dieter really wanted to use third-party soundtracks, so we went ahead and added that. <laughs> <laughs> Dieter loves the VHS thing. <laughs> I mean, that's literally true. Anyway, we can stop plugging our own thing now. This, I just, if you've been listening to the show, you know that we have been thinking about this sort of thing. It permeates everything that we've talked about. It permeates literally how I think about net neutrality, right? In order for this ecosystem to exist, you have to have access to the internet in a way that isn't blocked by some gatekeeper. And Dieter's point about there being gatekeepers is connected to our coverage of YouTube and Facebook and Instagram because those platforms control not only like the the money of a lot of these creators they control their destiny like where are they going to go and I, youtubers Casey Neistat was on the show uh, a year ago now and he was like there's nowhere to go like we're all kind of like poking at twitch because youtube is so frustrating like that's a big story and so we're going to we're going to keep at it i will stop plugging our stuff now go look at creators week please let me know what you think of it let us know where you think we should point that coverage. We're going to have people keep doing it. Uh, we're, I'm very invested in it. I think there's something very real there. Uh, but we want your feedback, so let us know. That said, we're not giving up on gadgets. Uh, like That's what we do. Not, <laughs> it's just like who we are. You know who is, though. <laughs> Give it up on gadgets. You, there it is, man. All right, go. <laughs> tell <laughs> Apple canceled air power. It happened. Uh, you, mm. if you listen to this show, you are the sort of person who super knows the, this whole story here. But just the the basics are: uh, we've been waiting for I don't know more than a year. Apple announced it before it was finished, and Apple SVP of hardware engineering Dan Riccio said, "Quote: After much effort, we've concluded air power will not achieve our high standards, and we have canceled the project. We apologize to those customers who are looking forward to this launch." We believe, we continue to believe the future is wireless and are committed to push the wireless experience forward. The end. Only not. There's just There's so, so much, much more. here. So let's just go through some timeline here. They announced the product on stage. Mm -hmm. They actually showed the product like in the sort of like demo area. Although I don't think it was operating. It wasn't operating. It was literally just like an yeah. oval. Like look at this oval. That was when they announced the iPhone 10 originally, right? Yep. And they, they said, eventually, we're going to do this wireless charging case for the AirPods. Uh, obviously, you'll be able to charge your watch. What was really interesting at that time was that the phone used Qi, the standard. Mm -hmm. Apple betting on Qi was like a huge deal because there was a rival standard that just went away. They just, whatever we lost. I think it got technically, like, they, they finally, like, integrated or, and then, like, it went away. It just, yeah. it went Truly, away. Truly, there's nothing more riveting than talking about two rival standards uh, deciding to integrate. But anyway, that happened. <laughs> but at that time, the and Apple was going to build on Qi. So they were going to take Qi and yep. put it in the phone. That's everywhere. And they were going to like extend it in some way to make air power. Yeah. Notably, the Apple Watch does not use Qi. At the time, they told journalists that the forthcoming AirPods case would not be Qi. It would only work with air power. Yep. So this is their extension. This is this is Apple doing W one and, and Bluetooth. Yeah. Embrace and extend. So first they embraced and then they yeah and then they and then they extinguish and then you pay twelve dollars <laughs> a month to use Apple News, which is uh, trash. Um, <laughs> anyhow, so this this was their plan. We're going to build this custom mat. It's going to charge your phone. You probably need to charge your phone in more places than uh, you know than just at home. 
But your AirPods and your watch, you only really need to charge at home, so we won't let them use this other standard, thereby guaranteeing that you will buy this mat. Moons pass. This, right? Things happen. Moons pass. Uh, <laughs> every briefing we go to, we're like, where's AirPower? And they say nothing. It is rumored heavily that there are problems in development. Uh, it, mm-hmm. There were rumors that the 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 Qi integration or embrace and extend thing was hard, and the chi, like the Qi people were mad, which is amazing. There are rumors that it gets too hot. Yeah. The iPhone XS comes out, and now it's a full year. They're like, where's air power? The rumors are like, this thing will never work. And then so then you get to two weeks ago when they do this flood of announcements. Yeah. New Max, the AirPods 2. AirPods 2 come out, and everyone's like, oh, air power's coming the next day. And I, we actually assigned Haim a story about how air power, like missing out on air power was a big mistake, like a big fail for Apple. And we published it on a yeah. Thursday. And like literally yeah. there's like a panic. Like what if they announce air power on a Friday? Around this time, the Wall Street Journal published a story saying that Apple had approved production of it uh, as a rumor, which was very strange. Yep. But my bet was that as soon as the AirPods 2 came out with Qi, that air power was done. Because there's no yeah. world in which Apple does not take the lock-in when they can get it, right? If they put out AirPods 2 and they said it can wirelessly charge if you buy this additional $150 mat, everybody buys that mat. Yep. And the second they said you can just use another kind of charger. Now, the real mystery is the AirPods 2 case has a picture of AirPower on it and a sticker that <laughs> says can charge using AirPower mat or Qi charger. Yeah. And so, like, this is... It the I, the open question is like how much of a last minute decision is this? I don't. Maybe we'll just never know. Maybe they did approve production and maybe they got the first batch off the line and they just like spontaneously combusted when you put your AirPods on. <laughs> <laughs> like, who knows? There's two theories as to what went wrong. So the the basic arc is Apple announced it before they had finished it and they just knew they'd get it right. And then the two theories I fix it. Uh, talked to somebody who was like, look. Uh, you put that many coils in that small space, it's going to create a wave of wireless interference and getting the FCC to like think that's okay and getting it within the specs of what you're, you know, how much wireless interference you're allowed to have uh, with that kind of system is very hard. And then the other theory is that, as Neil has been saying, it just just lit on fire. <laughs> just, <laughs> just got to. Joanna Stern published a review of alternate air power or wireless charging maps, like, mm-hmm. and she hates them all. Um, mm-hmm. She's been wanting air power for ages. Like every now and again, I just get like a random sort of plaintive text from Joanna that just says, "Where is air power?" And <laughs> like, it's like 11 p.m. I'm like, I don't know, man. But so she reviewed some other ones, and she she did the same thing. She took the patents to some you know college professors and engineers, and everyone was like, "This is this is harder than it looks." Like inductive charging is very difficult, and solving it this way is technically challenging. And I think one of the vibes she got was, it might not be impossible forever, but it's going to take a lot longer than people think. But anyway, air power's gone now. And I think, honestly, they, the only reason they killed it is so that we would stop asking about it in every single briefing. Because they had all <laughs> yeah. but disappeared it from the world. Like, these pesky journalists keep showing up, and they're like, great, new IMAX. What, what about that that oval you announced a couple of years ago? Uh, and, but now it's gone. I think it is wild that Apple didn't announce another wireless charging accessory because yep. it's not they're not hard to make. Like no yep. name companies what, make them all the time. What is the downgrade if, if Apple just made wireless charging pads, right, that line up really well, you know, like if you put them next to each other they don't look awful. Yeah. And then you just put like two or three next to each other and then you charge your Apple devices. I mean, how 
uh, other than the fact that you have to plug three, I, they could daisy chain with USB C. They mm-hmm. you do you still just have one outlet. Like th- that's not too far from air power. Or am I missing something really special about the air power? Problems? They didn't require you to line up the the device with the coil in the mat. And it also worked with the Apple Watch, which a cheat pad won't do. You have to have a special coil for the Apple Watch. Well, I think that's the embrace and extend. Right. So Apple, so most other wireless chargers just have a single coil, and then you like line up the phone, put it on there, and it starts mm-hmm. charging. AirPower had no alignment. There was just multiple overlapping coils. So then you would put it on there, it would figure out where your device is, and light up the appropriate parts of the appropriate coils, which just saying it out loud seems insane. Yeah. But so that, that was the big, <laughs> I mean, that, but that's like, you know, that's like Apple getting it right. Like, here's this common product everybody has. What do they hate about it? Lining up the coils. Okay, we'll just solve that problem and make it an Apple product. Like, that's mm. what Apple does, right? Like, yeah. that's what, at their highest and best, like, Appleness, they, like, take the thing everyone's already using and sort of likes and makes it one tick better. And I, they just couldn't do it here. So the, I think that here's the big outstanding question. When does the Apple Watch go to Qi? Ooh. Man. Because, right, they, they, can't, so? they can't do the proprietary one. And they're certainly not going to license out the proprietary one. Right. When do they just say, okay, you can charge your Apple Watch on any wireless charger? There's wireless chargers everywhere. We're committed to a wireless future. By the way, your right. watch has to use this one cable we made. Yeah. I, I, I think it's a 50-50 bet the next generation Apple Watch charges on Qi. Uh, I think it's the generation after. But I, uh, Apple Apple has no problem want making you fiddle with which cable are you going to use. I mean, That's true. <laughs> Someone should reply to that statement from Richie, which is a picture of all the dongles Apple ships. Be like, really? They really committed to that wireless feature? There's one other air power question I really want to just hit, which is there's, there's a lot of pushback, especially on Twitter, of people saying the only people that care about air power are people like us on Twitter. And that regular people are, are don't really care that Apple didn't ship this. We're making too big a deal out of it. And so, like, does Apple canceling air power even matter and in what way because like it would be going too far to be like apple is doomed they can't make anything anymore but i do think that it, it's i don't know it's worth pointing out that they said they do a thing and they didn't do it and i also think it's it's sort of worth pointing out that um in a very apple way they spent a year and a half just like stone-faced refusing to say anything about it before they killed it which i don't know what else i would expect apple to do but like it feels like it's resonant with people's feelings about apple and that's why everyone like was cackling about it, about it so much. But exactly what that resonance is, is I still haven't put my finger on it. Sure, here's a list of things Apple can't make. Uh, TV deals. Mm-hmm. <laughs> can't make them, right? <laughs> Wi-Fi routers. <laughs> Wi-Fi routers. Functional keyboards. Fast. Mm-hmm. Wireless charging mats. A desktop computer. <laughs> a desktop computer. <laughs> <laughs> right? Like they, they, They've been promising a modular Mac Pro for like a year now. That's mm-hmm. a, I think that sort of latent feeling that Apple says it's going to do stuff and then it it just kind of can't, is like deeply tied to this silly wireless charging mat, right? And it's, I don't know, I've been using Apple News Plus for two weeks, and this is the one yeah. product they announced that, that shipped and you can use. And that thing is a mess. Like, it is just a mess yeah. of an app. It doesn't have search. That's crazy. If you see a paywalled article out on Twitter, I just talked to this Peter Kafka on the interview episode, and you're like, oh, I want to read that New Yorker article. I don't have a New Yorker subscription, but I pay for Apple News. There's almost nothing you can do. You can't mm-hmm. just like take a web URL and plug it in Apple News and like have it show you the thing that you're paying for. This is like a very common thing that you might wish to do with your paid subscription is read the article you paid for when someone says there's a good article and you just can't do it. And I think that 
that level of execution polish is that's the thing Air Power points to. You're, you're you're a little bit more confident in, the, or the Apple confidence they used to have that they would everything would always be better than the competition is yeah. faded a little bit. Also, a desktop computer. I mean, come on, <laughs> like, it cannot be that hard. <laughs> like, just take the cheese grater case and, and ship it. Like that's what people want, uh, and they won't do it. But what they did ship was new AirPods, which we reviewed. Yep. They interviewed them. Yep, uh, they're good. Yeah, I bought them. Yeah, what do you think? Uh, they, they sound exactly the same. They fit in your ear exactly the same. Uh, I bought the little foam things that supposedly help with isolation, and that didn't work, so I took them out there. <laughs> They're just weird, whatever. Um, I have a hard time lining it up on my uh, Qi charger mm-hmm. a little bit. doesn't quite hit every time. The other thing that does when you set it on a wireless charger is the charging light lights up, but then you've got an annoying you know, lit-up LED in your room, and nobody wants that, and Apple, to Apple's credit, recognizes that, so they just turn it off. So when you set it on a charger, the light lights up, and then it uh, goes off after a minute, which is fine, except pair that with the fact that when, you, when I set it on my charger, it doesn't seem to land every time exactly right, because it's such mm. a small charging area relative to the coil. You're always just a little bit unsure if it's actually charging. Yeah. Yeah, it's great for charging is wires. <laughs> just put it out there. Wait, I, I meant to ask, I don't have any wireless charging... Um, accoutrement i have a phone yeah. that could be charged wirelessly but i don't do you guys charge yes. things wirelessly it's the best um the one i the 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 biggest upgrade i've made to my desk at work is the little anchor wireless charging stand it's a, the fast wireless charger mm-hmm. so every time i sit at my desk i put my phone on it it starts charging it's also held up so when i get notifications i just see them yeah uh, so that's like a it just a map like my phone's charged when i leave the office that was not the case previously but at home, okay. when I'm like, oh, I'm going to throw this on a charger, I'm always like, I'm going to plug it in because it'll go fast. But then I'm not like yeah. Dieter, who is maniacal about constantly charging. Yeah, I mean, I love it because I'm the person that anytime my battery life gets below 90%, I start to worry a little bit. <laughs> and anytime it gets below 60%, it mm-hmm. might as well be dead and I throw it in the ocean. That's how I feel about charging. Um, <laughs> I recently switched from a stand to a flat one so I could charge you know, AirPods or the Galaxy yeah. Buds. And the flat one's fine. But yeah, I mean, I will plug in if I need it to be fast, but since I have a wireless charger by my bed on my nightstand and I have one on my desk, I just it I just always just set the thing down and it it's always pretty much topped off, um, you know, and I'm, then I'm only low when I go out into the world. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. and you know, you know me, I'm afraid of going out into the world, so I'm always charged <laughs> up. That's great. <laughs> We're going to work on that. <laughs> so AirPods who are out, they pair a little bit faster. Have you noticed the call quality better, the microphone thing that they're talking about? I haven't, but I haven't had anybody complain. No one was complaining before. Yeah, I know. Bluetooth on my MacBook Pro is not great, but it has never been, so uh, I don't blame the AirPods for that. Uh, apparently, they're, if you buy them and want to use them with an Android phone, go find a friend with an iPhone and leave them paired to your friend's iPhone overnight, because apparently there's a firmware update that can only be applied over iOS that sort of happens magically in the background, and that helps with its stability and reliability when paired to Android devices and potentially other devices. That is the most. So, you know. That is just, <laughs> just the most. You just you just wrote, like, you, you know, like those footnotes that are, like, kind of like legal disclaimers? They're at bottom web- websites. They're yeah. in, like, a gray, f- small font. That's the bottom of every every web page on apple.com yeah. <laughs> is that what you just said <laughs> this thing doesn't work quite About, right and if you have an iphone it might work a little bit better but if you don't have an iphone you're screwed yeah okay but then next to the airpods coming out beats put out the new power beats pro which do not have wireless charging have a much bigger case but apparently sound much better 
which is the thing yep. that I think is the most important thing. <laughs> they charge it. They and they're noise isolating. I'm pretty sure the Beats team hates the Apple team. That's just like a, a vibe I constantly get. Uh, so it's good that they, they were finally allowed to like use the chip and ship the truly wireless earbuds. They're expensive. They're more expensive than AirPods, like two ninety nine. Yeah, um, but I think those are the ones I think I I might be mo- more interested in than AirPods. The only thing I love about AirPods is the case, right? The the entire case experience of that is really good, but I, I just don't think it sound good. And then I'm going to tell you why I'm saying this information at the same time. Apple also lowered the price of the HomePod to two ninety nine. So all three things are Apple stories, and that's why they're no being, no no. But, Here's my point. Okay. Why did Apple? <laughs> what was Apple's big push with the HomePod? It sounds really sound good. Quality. Yeah, yeah. What is Apple's big push with the AirPods? Not, it sounds really good. <laughs> what is Apple's more successful product? The AirPods. Which one are they heavily discounting? The one that sounds good. I mm. maintain that people will pick convenience over sound quality 10 out of 10. It, it mm. just, you cannot, yeah. you cannot, it never works. And Apple should know this more than any other company because the first iPod sounded bad. They sold 120k. AACs and we're like put a thousand in your pockets. Here's these white headphones, and I was like, this is the greatest innovation in the history of music, and it sounded bad. And Apple was like, wait, yeah. the HomePod is way more expensive, and it shoots beam formed sound waves out of it. Nothing has ever sounded. And people are like, but it it can't set two timers at once. And that like yeah. In in the AirPods, they sound okay. Like whenever I tweet AirPods sound bad, people are like, but they sound great for podcasts. So if you're listening to this in your AirPods, thank you. I appreciate you. But just recognize that sounding good for podcasts and sounding good for phone calls and sounding good for music are all wildly different things. And everyone always, everyone will always cut music sound quality in favor of everything else. If you're out there making headphones or speakers, just know in your heart, people will pick convenience over sound quality. And I think that the HomePods, AirPods dichotomy is as much proof of it as can possibly exist. Also, Siri is bad. Yeah, I will say that the AirPods are the only headphones, wired or wireless, that I will just like forget that I have in my ears, constantly. Really, uh, everything else, I like, I know I'm wearing them, um, but the AirPods, like, oh shit, I'm I'm wearing headphones right now. Yeah, that's pretty great. Is that why people just wear them all the time? I always wonder. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna do a full day of AirPods tomorrow. I mean, it seems like the AirPods' primary advantage is that they are so tiny. Because that means that they can have a tiny case, which means that they can go in a tiny case inside of your pocket. Like the, the Powerbeats Pro look great, but the case is, is going to be very bulky inside of your pocket. Indeed. So it like all comes down to the size. And so, yeah, you do trade off the fact that they don't stay in your ear and they sound terrible. <laughs> but they're just super tiny. Because ultimately yeah. what we want is something that is just literally like we swallow like a, a pill one day and now we have great headphones for a year until like we, our body digests it and then we have to swallow a new pair of headphones. Yes, Paul. Can we just unpack what Paul said, <laughs> which is that your body will slowly digest headphones for a year and and I believe you open that with what we all want. <laughs> <laughs> you don't want it to stay in there forever. Yeah, yeah. You got to have some way for your body to reject it so that you can get the new upgrade. The, look, the future of the Apple store is body augmentation. I think we all know this. <laughs> you know, sit down. A genius is going to drill two holes in the back of your skull and then you get headphones. <laughs> It'll be amazing. Yeah. That's why they're so sterile. <laughs> mm-hmm. All right. We, we have to move on. Uh, there's one rumor, though. AirPods competitors 
Is this Garmin at Bloomberg who just did this? Right as yep. we came to air. Yeah, apparently uh, Amazon's working on uh, fully wireless headphones that uh, support Alexa. And um, I don't know. I, I, I bet if you're Jabra, you're feeling really great about being featured in the Amazon store right now. Woof. Uh, I'm sure that there's no problems. You're you're not you're not worried at all about uh, what your uh, placement is going to be when people search for wireless headphones in, <laughs> in a couple of months. Sure, that no one's thinking about that. So, the, if you read the Garmin story in Bloomberg, it says the point is we got to we failed with the Fire Phone, but we need to be out in the world. We need to put Alexa out in the world. We're not going to sell yep. people a phone. We obviously can't get placement on Android or iOS, so we'll just put headphones in your ears, and Alexa will be there all the time. Presumably, they'll do a data connection to your phone. You'll say, "Hey, Alexa, it'll light up," and right, they're not going to put yep. like an LTE radio in these things. No. So. And you can do this right now. The you can like my Jabra sixty five Ts. Like you can when you open the app, Amazon gave them a pile of money, and like the first time you open the the app to configure your Jabras, if you want to adjust the EQ or whatever, the first thing you see is a splash screen saying, "What if you switch to Alexa on these um, <laughs> from the Google Assistant?" Um, and there's a bunch of other headphones that do this. So Bose, I think you can switch to Alexa. There's a bunch of Alexa headphones out there, but uh, you know, so it's a little bit weird because. Amazon's not getting anything over and above what's available right now from third-party vendors. And Amazon's probably going to use the same toolkit that they gave to Jabra because that's how Amazon does. They're pretty open. They use the tools that they offer to other people for Alexa stuff. So that's great. Um, but again, I just go back to like the retail placement thing. Like If they can make something that has anywhere near the cultural relevance and importance of AirPods, I don't think they can. But if they can make something that's physically more convenient than the other options that are out there, um, they'll just be able to put it at the top of the Amazon store and sell a boatload of them. Um, yeah, so it sucks to be Jabra is basically my, the end of my story. <laughs> my, Sony's, uh, my Sony headphones have Google Assistant, and I never use it because it is totally acceptable to call out to your assistant when you are at home, and yep. it is completely mm -hmm. unacceptable to be on a plane and saying things like, hey, Google, <laughs> you just don't do it. I will never do it. And I, I think that's like the biggest, even the hey Siri on the on the AirPods. Like, you yeah. can do it, great. But I, I think that the social, like the social acceptance factor, of, I'm going to wear my AirPods all the time. Okay, it's been a year, they're a meme, everyone's doing it. The social acceptance factor of like literally talking to Siri in public, I think is a much harder road. If you could sub-vocalize to Siri, just like move your mouth and speak without actually breathing out to form word, audible words, would you do that? Just like speak quietly, but not actually speak to yourself? Just like, like, it, like imagine you could point a laser at like your Adam's apple and and your jaw so it can see what words you're forming. Yeah. Once again, I'm going to go back to the future of the Apple stores, obviously body <laughs> augmentation. <laughs> they're going to do piercings, they're going to do tats, and they're going to they're gonna drill AirPods into your throat or something. Okay. This wouldn't solve the airplane problem, but it is sort of socially acceptable to like be in a like a a phone conversation. I guess that's not even great, is it? No, it's not like at all. Because because like if I get a phone call, I'm at a coffee shop. I like step outside. Yeah. Because I was thinking like if somebody made a, a personal assistant that like sort of it responded to things that you would say in like a heated manner to your sibling on the phone, you know. Yeah. No, I'm I'm with you. Yeah. I mean, like uh, both Google and Amazon fully believe that like. One future place they will deploy these assistants is the workplace. And like, there's a part of me that believes it, right? Like, you know, Alexa, remind me to go to my meeting in 10 minutes. Like, that somewhat makes sense. And I just mm. think about how amazingly rude that would be to everyone around me. <laughs> I'm like, I shouldn't do that. <laughs> that would be horrible. I love it, especially like an open office. You say, like, 
Alexa, remind and like twenty Alexa devices <laughs> light up simultaneously. It's pretty good. All right, we got to take a break. There's a bunch of Google stuff going on. You're gonna walk us through it. We'll be right back. Support for this podcast comes from Canva. They say Rome wasn't built in a day, but you know what you can get built in a day? Your creative deck. You can generate creative decks to use for all your important presentations with Canva. Thanks to their AI, you can start with a simple prompt and watch Canva go to work. You want a sales presentation for a tech company? Done. Create an employee onboarding plan? No problem. Just type it in and watch Canva work its magic. You'll have generated options in seconds. Choose your favorite style, customize the content, and you're done. It's a serious time saver at work. So whatever you do at your job, Canva presentations can give you a head start on your deck. You can generate sales presentations, marketing decks, HR onboarding plans, you name it. It's AI for every department. It's easy to learn. It's even easier to use. And because it's built in Canva presentations, you can stay focused on the task at hand with no app switching. Finish your deck faster. Generate slides in seconds with Canva presentations at canva.com. Designed for work. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. You've heard it before. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. But it's more than just a tagline. Because State Farm agents are small business owners themselves who live and work in your community. And if you're in the market for small business insurance, who better to work with than an agent who understands what it takes? State Farm agents can help you create a personalized insurance plan that fits your small business needs and budget. Talk to your local State Farm agent today about small business insurance. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. All right, Dieter, lots of, lots of Google. Android Q. Yeah. Well, so there's like a Google made some stuff and it killed some stuff. Let's talk about what they made. So Android Q beta 2, right, is the second. So it's the second beta as they, in the run-up to releasing this thing whenever they decide to release it. And there's a few different things. They've got this new thing where you can, like, make bubbles and they're like chat heads but for anything. Um, they've got a new thing where you can expand the volume slider. The thing I'll say about a bunch of the stuff that Google is doing in Android Q right now, I'll say two things. Number one, it's a lot of stuff that I'm just doing right now in Samsung. Yeah. Samsung One UI. You like Samsung, you can take as many apps as you want and put them in little like popover windows and then reduce them down to chat heads. This isn't quite that. This is like a more traditional, you know, mm-hmm. bubble chat head interface. But um, same thing with the volume slider. Like you could do it before, but they made it easier to get to the expanded version of all your sliders. Samsung's doing that right now. The second thing I'm gonna say is every single version of Android. Uh, Google messes with a few different things. They mess with uh, what the lock screen shows, how it shows it, and like when and the, its behavior. They mess with uh, the quick settings panel. They just kind of shuffle some stuff around there. And they uh, mess around a little bit with how notifications work. They kind of shuffle some stuff around there. And guaranteed, every single version of Android, they change some of that stuff up. So here, like the specifics are they're changing how the sliding behavior works and the, you know, the lock screen looks a little bit different. They're moving the battery indicator, blah, blah, blah. Like, Relatively minor stuff. But now, since Android P and now with Android Q, you can add to that list of stuff that Google just fusses with every single version (laughs) of Android. The fundamental way that you switch apps. 
They're, they're, they, <laughs> each of these two betas has had a different multitasking behavior, and they made a big change in, in P on the on the uh, you know the Pixel phones, and a lot of people didn't like it. I went on the record as saying it was a pretty big risk, and it kind of paid off medium well because it felt pretty janky relative to how the iPhone multitasks. But now, just every time there's a new Q beta, there's like you know a new thing that happens when you move your finger down near the bottom of the screen, and then uh, three days later, XDA developers goes in there is like actually there's even more options, and you can mess with it these five other ways. Um, and I'm I'm fine with that. This list of stuff that Google fusses with on every single version of Android, you know, tweak away, friends. Great, love it. But maybe maybe don't with the um, the multitasking. Maybe yeah. maybe the core navigation should feel relatively stable over time. They I mean, have to do better than they did on P, so it makes sense that they're doing it now. Right. But if if they're if they're doing this again with the next version of Android, where they're just messing around with the way the multitasking works. Uh, no, thank you. Stop. Stop. That. Wait, but don't they have a, a, a sort of like a license to do this, or like an ability to do this, because their vendors all just do whatever they want anyway? Yes, their vendors all do what they want anyway. But actually, the, all their vendors basically opted out of the pill Android P multitasking that uh, that the Pixel has. Right? right. They just they're like, nah, we're no, no, thank you, no. <laughs> um, if, if Google made something good, they wouldn't opt out. Everyone just does the three buttons, and they've only had to experiment with gestures and hiding those buttons and making different gestures because Google hasn't provided a good swipe-based solution um, like Apple has. And I'm not going to say the other company that once had a really nice uh, swiping <laughs> navigation UI. It's not going to do it. You know, WebOS is on TVs now. Shut up! <laughs> <laughs> is this Google's design process? Is let's Because I would like a principled, theoretically, I would like this a principal top-down design process that's like, we want to make it easy and intuitive to switch between multiple different apps in our exciting multitasking mobile operating system. Mm -hmm. um, so, so that seems like a priority that you'd want to design for and maybe test. And it is Google's method of testing just fussing around or 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 is this just like any developer at Google can just change some variables and push it live. You know the the Handlands razor never attribute to malice what you could attribute to incompetence mm. or whatever it is. It's good razor, uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh with with Google it's like never attribute to like intentionality what could be attributed to a bunch of people <laughs> running around in a room bouncing off the walls because they're bored. <laughs> or like, like ah. or like actually at conflict with each other, right? Right. Well, I mean, okay, I I'm not I, I'm not I don't think the Android P multitasker is good, right? On the Pixel. Like, it's just right. not good. So of course they have to yeah. do something new. Yeah, they do. That's like yeah. that's the most generous interpretation of it. Now, yeah. do I think that it is insane that they haven't come up with a good idea yet? That <laughs> is like the bigger problem <laughs> because they have yeah. a very large competitor that figured it out in the first go. Right? Yeah. Apple was like, we took out the home button, and like thirty minutes later, everyone was like, yeah, this is fine. Yep. Mm. Google's like, we took out these software buttons that we can. <laughs> change it will but we i don't know what this idea is uh, an easier to because I, I until i had like played with google's version of of swiping between apps i didn't understand why it was wrong but uh, uh, an, an easier to understand i don't know if this has changed in uh, q but in p if i want to move an app between screens right i i press and hold on it and i move it to the edge of the screen but there's just there's just not a large enough area at the edge of the screen 
to signal that I, I'm trying to get to the next screen over. And so there's just this finicky fight that I have to do to try to, to get my, my icon into that one narrow little gap that will bring me to the next screen over. And Are it you just talking seems about like arranging they, icons on the home screen, Paul? Yeah, I'm, try, I'm trying to move an icon from one screen to the, like, the next screen over on the home uh-huh. screen. And I, on P, on my Pixel 3, I find it very difficult to do. And it just seems like the, nobody tried, to, nobody tested that out and, and with some sort of criterion for ease of use and intuitiveness. Yeah. I think they want you to use the assistant. So you tap on the icon, you're like, third home screen, please. <laughs> <laughs> That's my problem. <laughs> Again, the generous interpretation. I hesitate to be too generous here because they should be able to get it right. But I think what you're describing with Samsung is... Samsung has to get it right. Yeah. They have to ship all those phones. People have to use them. The, the, the Bixby Center of Customer Service Excellence has to take the phone calls, right? Like, they're, they're a consumer product company. Yeah. Android for Google is not actually a consumer product, pixel aside. And they don't even sell that many pixels. So, like, maybe they should sell more pixels. Maybe they would sell more pixels if they were more committed to getting it right. But, like, the Pixel 3 has had way too many issues for me to be like, Google gives a shit. Yeah, that's uh, that. I also say that, like, judging them based on what they're doing in, like, early betas of the next version of Android is, you know, it's a little bit unfair. I think that part of this is, like, they've got a few ideas, uh, and they do just kind of want to put it out there and see how the Android community reacts to them because they maybe took too big a flyer on the Pixel 3 and they didn't get it right. Mm-hmm. And um, they, they just kind of want to see if anyone's like, oh, yes, do this. This is great. Uh, and if not, that doesn't happen, they'll just have to keep tweaking it till they release something. Yeah. Well, the next Pixel will be the HTC team, right? In theory, yeah. My my understanding was the Pixel 3 wasn't like we bought this team and they've made the phone soup to nuts top to bottom. It was still sort of the weird method that Google did before. So um, the next Pixel should be the one that was fully under uh, Rick Osterloh's hardware team. And there's basically no excuses. They can't be like, oh, well, we're still working with some outside blah, 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 blah. Like it's it's their phone. Yeah. It was before and we should, you know, we shouldn't ever excuse a Pixel. You know, like, technically, it's not fully a Google phone, but uh, the next one like is completely theirs. I'm excited for it. I'm excited for it because I we're going we're gonna to end up talking about the, the Huawei P30 Pro, I think, a lot more next week because we'll have the review, we'll do all the stuff. But um, – I'm very excited for that next generation camera because it seems like that's the the camera race is now between the Chinese vendors and Google, right? Yeah, I think that's like that's what I want. All I really want in the world is a camera. <laughs> it's just like the the first gadget that I ever loved was a camera. All right, so Google made some stuff. They put out some stuff. They're trying some stuff. You know, they also killed a bunch of stuff. Yeah, they. I mean, the big ones this week were uh, Google Plus and uh, Inbox. And everyone, you know, there's people in my office right now out here in San Francisco who are like very unhappy about them killing Inbox. A lot of the Inbox features have hit Gmail, but not all, uh, but a lot have. And it's hard for me to work up a lot of feelings about either of these because it's been a long time since I tried to use Google Plus. And actually, it's been a long time since uh, I've used Inbox. I kind of saw the writing on the wall and reacclimated myself to just using the core Gmail app, you know, six months ago at least. So I'm kind of like over it. And like Google has to kill stuff. That's what they do. The question is, what stuff do they kill? And can you trust the new stuff that they make when they kill stuff? And this is the Stadia question, for example. So Google Plus is like more worrisome in that regard uh, because it was a company-wide effort and then they killed the company-wide effort. But Inbox is a bummer, but it's not like 
I don't know. I don't. I don't have a lot of existential angst about it. Maybe that's just me. Well, I mean, so we were just talking about headphones. Remember the Pixel Buds? Womp womp. But it's just like here's this thing they announced it with great fanfare. It like does live translation. But like I haven't heard a word about Pixel Buds. And like, they just because they're bad, right? But they didn't like work great. There, there haven't been like a flood of software updates. They're they're not marketing them. Like, are they going to make a second version? Are Are you committed to Google's vision of the headphones future? Like, that I think that's the. Apple like fails to make a bunch of stuff, but they they're gonna make AirPods three. Like you, you know they're committed to this product line. They're gonna right. they're gonna do something with a MacBook at some point. They have to <laughs> because they have to make computers. Whereas I think with Google, I mean, it's just this question: like, what are they gonna kill next? They hilariously, for example, here's a good one: they killed uh, the artist pages on Google Music or whatever because they're they're pushing everything towards YouTube Music. Oh right, yeah, yeah. But like, and they. They were gonna. They confidently claim that YouTube is a music service, which sort of like by the numbers it is. Like it's what people watch on YouTube is like tons and tons of music videos. But like, do you trust them to get YouTube music right? Like, if you subscribe to it, do you and you build a bunch of playlists and you subscribe to your favorite artists and do you trust them to hold on to that forever? Because a subscription, yeah. like a subscription service to like cultural products, has to be there for a long time. Like if that's your music service. You're you're. You're just committed to like I trust Spotify. They don't have another business. That's what they got to do. Yep. Apple Apple Music is what I it's a primary music service, but like that's like part of Apple's DNA. They've got to keep doing it. Google Music. Like, every time they do a service like this, I'm like I don't. And I know everyone's going to tweet me about Google Play Music because everyone always tweets me about Google Play Music. But like, but I think Google Play Music is going away. Like yeah. it's going to become YouTube Music probably. Yeah. Maybe. And like I don't know. They just killed like two other messaging services. <laughs> But don't worry. Don't you worry. They'll launch two more. Like that, I think Google's next stage of evolution is being more committed to the things they make instead of launching new things constantly. I mean, would, yeah. it, would it be like a competitive liability for them to just have a web page where they put like ETAs of like, like, like for the foreseeable future, we have no plans to cancel this or like we are committed to this for at least the next two years. I mean, because that's like, that's what's frustrating. Like, I was a huge Inbox fan. And like you, Dieter, like, I quit Inbox once I realized that they weren't supporting it anymore because um, I didn't want the pain. Um, but even better would just never have to go through that whole cycle, right? If, if I knew, like, if, if it was flagged as an experiment, like, Google used to do that. They'd call products like beta, right? So that you knew, like, this is an experiment. Like, you don't invest yourself in this because we might cancel it anytime. Yeah, but they 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 use that beta label so much everyone just stopped believing what it meant. That's yeah. also true. Right? Like Gmail was in beta for how long? Like they were they were never gonna be like, well this <laughs> <Yeah>. didn't work. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. All right, we're gonna take one more break, we're gonna come back and then it's just a grab bag of gash news. It's gonna be wild. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. 
Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Okay, Paul. Yo. Every week, my man. Uh-huh. You do a thing. It's got the same name. Rena- world renowned for its consistency. What is that thing? It is called a jaunty neganotch. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. uh, I know what this is. <laughs> this is the leaked Oppo Reno, which, so, and I, I believe I'm using the term Neganotch correctly here. Neganotch is, is not just a fixed notch that extends outside of the device, but also a, a, a camera, for instance, that rises outside of the device, right? Sure. Yeah. Okay. Well, Oppo's doing a camera that is hidden inside of the phone, mm-hmm. but then comes out of the phone, but instead of your old and tired straight up um, tab aesthetic, it it it, fl- it flicks. I don't know. I don't even know. It's like a it's like a door handle. How do you, how would you describe it? Uh, the best it's way like I can describe fin. it. It's like yes. Thank you. Imagine a, imagine your phone is a, a box of Tic Tacs, and then the lid on the phone on the top of the Tic Tacs comes up a little bit, and yeah. there's a camera hidden in there. Yeah. At a jaunty angle. Yeah. I love it. That's all I'm trying to say. If this is the next wave of hardware innovation, I, I, I stand by it. I endorse it. Um, I believe that this is the policy that America needs right now. Uh, yeah. Vote Patel. <laughs> also, <laughs> how, what about UBI, though? <laughs> I, you trying uh, to get Yang Gang the, on me, bro? <laughs> <laughs> always. <laughs> the, okay, so there's a video of this in action. And it was pretty impressive about it because, like, some of these early Nega notched cameras were real slow. Like this, yeah. this snaps open yeah. as yeah. fast as the camera takes the software of the camera takes the switch. And then it made me think, you know, what's really slow is switching cameras. <laughs> like, I feel like that should be like a really important metric. Is it motorized or is it on a spring? No, I mean in software. Yeah. Oh, I I I don't know. I don't know how the actual. Oppo I hope it's works. on a spring. I think putting motors on these pop-up cameras is the stupidest idea. Like, why? Just a spring is fine. Yeah, just it make pops it software up, actuated, it, so it'll pop out. Whatever. Well, but yeah, it looks motorized to me. Well, you could motorize the close, but you want the open to be a spring. The the open looks like a spring. It just poo. But I'm just saying that that software cameras are very slow at switching. And I feel like that was something that we would talk a lot about back in the day. And I, I don't see as much focus, but I'm just, I'm, get, I'm really getting to the point where like, I'm really into like day to day, like how long does it take my MacBook to open the system preferences? Something I've done like yeah. three times a day for my entire life is open the preferences on my Mac. Like why is there like a, a, a serious pause there and so i'm anyways that's my i I think your camera thing is very much an android thing because i'm opening the camera on my 10s right now and is instant it's actually a pixel 3 thing the pixel 3 camera has gotten slower to open progressively over the past year or so uh the camera on my galaxy s10 is bam i really bet the right horse for my switch to android (laughs) yeah uh no there's a pixel 3 story about how this phone the pixel 2 is like beloved it had the, the yeah. one thing where, like, if you saw the screen not be great. He puked. Huh? <laughs> right, right. If, if you looked at it, you instantly vomited everywhere. Uh, no, but, like, people loved it regardless of this, if it's not great screen. Yeah. Mm. But they loved it. It was a great phone. But the Pixel 3, I think, is just frustrating people left and right. Mm-hmm. There's, there's a story in there. 
don't know what it is. Well, I mean, that's the whole story. I just said it. It's a good story, though. <laughs> it's, it's, there it is. I found it. <laughs> All right, Dieter, Gadget Corner. Let's let's race through these. Okay, so uh, I bought and I'm excited for the Anchor GAN charger battery combo. Mm -hmm. uh, very excited to have a charger battery combo, USB-C. We'll see how it works. It's only, I think, 5,000 milliamps in terms of the battery, but... That's uh, fine. That's all I really need. I have, I have a I have an anchor uh, charger battery combo. It has two USB A's, but it is one of yeah. the best things I own. It is one of the best travel things I own by far. Yeah, it's thirty watts, which is not as much as I probably want for a MacBook Pro, but enough to get by. And I think it's gonna be it's gonna be the thing. I I'm, I'm gonna instead of carrying a uh, an adapter for USB C charging and a battery, I'm just gonna carry this thing. Um, there you go. I saved like a quarter of a pound in my bag, and I'm happy as a clam. Yeah. No, I think yeah. the this is like an it's another Apple story. Like there's Apple is selling this thing in their store because they haven't yet yep. made a great GAN power brick, which they're, yep. well, people are only just starting to do. But Apple's power bricks used to be the best power bricks, and yep. now they are not. Yeah, uh, I recently reviewed the Dell XPS 13 to jump ahead, mm -hmm. and their power brick is just a thousand times better than Apple's power brick. Yeah, in terms of cable management, you really like that XPS 13. Yeah, it's great. Um, Engadget reviewed it uh, today, the day we're recording, and they call it the perfect ultra portable. I don't know that I go quite that far. It's still got a couple of compromises, but um, relative to the compromises that people are making on MacBook Pros, <laughs> you mean not being able to type letters? <laughs> <laughs> well, like, the primary the primary XPS thirteen competition right now seems to be the the Huawei MateBook, right? MateBook uh, X and MateBook. Pro X Pro or Pro X or however however they go, uh, and that and the decision there is like, do you want the pop up nose camera or not? Um, but mm. they're great as well. Windows laptops are great right now. Yeah, sixteen yeah. by nine screen on that XPS though. Yeah, it's fine. I don't. I, if there's something about it, it's just not. I mean, I would if Microsoft would just stop being obstinate and stupid. <laughs> I would tell everybody to buy the the uh, the Surface laptop. If they would just put USB-C on it. Yeah. The end. Mm. One of these uh, days. One of these days. Wow. It's going to happen. It's going to be great. Everyone's yeah. going to love it. You know, I could talk about other gadgets. I don't want to talk about the Palm phone, which is just the Verizon. <laughs> it's, it's, I'm not going to do it. <laughs> Since we're already talking about laptops, we should talk about uh, the fact that Apple finally apologized for MacBook keyboards. Yeah. I mean, they, it was in Joanna's column last week. They put out yeah. a statement. Joanna's column is wonderful. You should go look at it, uh, read it. Those keyboards are a mess, and I think it's a building mess. It's just all part of the same latent, is Apple getting it right lately, vibe. Yeah. And hopefully, hopefully they do something. they got to change the design of those keyboards. I don't think they can come back and say they fixed it for real this time and regain any trust. Like, if they come back and say they fixed it for real this time and we have to go into a review, all yep. we're going to do is dump sand on this keyboard until it breaks. Yep. Because, <laughs> like, what else can you do? All we're going to do is say we can't properly review this product until we've had it for six months as a daily driver right. to see if the keyboard breaks. Because there's well, no way anyone can recommend they, that product right now. Well, and Apple has never admitted to fixing anything. Yeah. Also, like they've only said we've made it quieter. That's they've never said we fixed the actual reliability problems. Yeah, most people love them, is what they said. Yeah, we're sorry. Some some weirdos have problems. Weirdos <laughs> like you, Joanna Stern, lead technology okay. columnist of the Wall Street Journal. Right, and so and Joanna, to her credit, like just stuck with the the key sticking. But the the second problem with this keyboard is that it's also bad. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like I, I, as a person who's used MacBooks for a long time, like you know, I'm, I don't know. It's probably unfair of me to criticize because I'm probably going to end up getting like a PC laptop anyways. Because I I pretty much just want to run Linux, and it's all going to be fine. 
but I've just completely ruled out MacBooks with their current keyboards. I, yeah. I cannot stand typing on a keyboard with that little give for any long amount of time. I'm telling you, man, I got a 2015 MacBook Pro. It's got a bunch of USB-A ports. It's got an HDMI port. <laughs> it's got keys that travel. It's got a GPU that's not good. It's got a fan that's on all the time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, bad boy's ready to go. As the person who's reviewed more MacBooks than, than anybody in, in this little trio, um, mm-hmm. I do feel weird because I don't hate the keyboards in terms of the physicality of typing on them. I actually like I I enjoy the small key travel in a weird way because I'm a weirdo and it, like I can f- I feel like I'm faster and I don't mind the clackiness. They are pretty loud, um, but you can't measure the reliability very easily. That you know, that early in the process of, you know, using a thing or even owning a thing. So it's it's always put me in a tough position where I'm like, okay, well, here's this keyboard. A bunch of people don't like it. It's fine. It's working. We'll have to wait and see about reliability. And I like the next time I, I even did it with the, the MacBook Air, uh, right? And uh, wait and see about reliability is a, just a really tough place to be in. And uh, Joanna's column really perfectly captured the like general sense that like, uh, the opinion on these keyboards went from like, maybe, eh, we'll see. I don't like it, but some people I think it's okay. There's maybe reliability problems, but it's probably fine, to just, just universal hatred. Yep. Like, there are very few people who are willing to go out there and say, yeah, no, I actually, this keyboard is good. The only the only people that are out there saying, yeah, this keyboard is good is Apple. Yeah, well, because Apple pays those people. Who knows yeah. if they believe in their hearts? <laughs> All right, one last thing. We got we to mention it because, you know, it's a big deal in the in the tech news world. Yeah. Verizon lit up its 5G network. It's actual 5G network in Chicago. We sent Chris Welch. Uh, it's very fast. Yep. He has a very good story up about it. You should go look, you should go look go at read it. it. That dude's killing it lately. But you have to like stand on one foot on one street corner in Chicago and like <laughs> say an incantation and then you'll get 500 down on Verizon's 5G yeah. network. Also, you have to yeah. be using uh, a Moto Z3 with a gigantic Moto Mod. So. Also, when you get on 5G ultra wideband, uh, it shows a 5G UWB logo in your status bar. Oh my god! That is like a hundred point font. It's just <laughs> well, it's gigantic. It's amazing. All of these things are excused, right? It's their first light up of a network. It's actually there. Yeah, presumably, you know, the the Samsung Galaxy S10 5G is coming out. That's a real phone. It's not a brick of radios that you glue to an old phone. You know, they presumably expand service, but it's here. It's actually happening. Yeah. Uh, T-Mobile dunked on Verizon super hard. I don't know if you caught this. Uh, the CTO no. of T-Mobile tweeted, "Congratulations on launching your millimeter wave network. Just hope that you don't have any doors or windows around because it will block the signal. Uh, because <laughs> T-Mobile is going with a different spectrum. So that's great. Also, this week, I just want to point this out. No, last week, AT and T." switched over to the 5GE logo on the iPhone. Apple put out yep. iOS 12 point whatever. The logo changed. I now have 5GE. Lots of people have 5GE. Uh, 5GE, of course, is fake. It's a fake idea. It's yeah. uh, just a logo change that Apple allowed to happen on their phone. Uh, I tweeted the 5GE speeds I receive here in New York, which has a very congested LTE network. 19 down on AT&T's <laughs> 5GE network. Uh, other people started <laughs> tweeting at me as well. Uh, ben Bajarni is a great analyst. Less than a megabit down with the 5GE logo on his phone. Oh, man. <laughs> because 5G is just a rebranding of AT&T's LTE network, which is already hopelessly congested. So all yeah. these people are tweeting. Everyone's tagging AT&T, which is amazing. AT&T puts out a uh, 
this is my favorite part. I think Engadget wrote this up. We didn't. But AT&T put out a press release with a chart, fastest wireless network, right? Yeah. Huge spike, average speed of 40 down. Uh, and Ronnie Mola at Recode looked into it, and Ookla, which is you know the speedtest.net vendor, told her that uh, it's literally because when they changed the logo over, so many people tested their speeds. No. Right? So this, the, wow. the, they just they literally just got people on their slightly faster network to submit more results, thus bumping up their average. Because they switch, because literally it, the spike is they switch the logo and people said, oh, I wonder how much faster the network is, and they hit the button. Right. So if mm. everybody on every network was just testing to see how much better LTE has gotten over the past couple of years. Yeah, if Verizon could figure out that you're in a relatively uncongested part of their network and send you a push notification that said, please say <laughs> speed test, they would see a similar spike. <laughs> anyway, 5G I mean, is a horrible lie. Real 5G uh, is in uh, Chicago, and T-Mobile thinks it sucks. That's like where we are in the 5G race right now. I mean... There's so much to know about. I mean, <laughs> here's here's where I'm at right now. I have no. I pin zero hopes for my future happiness on 5G, because it's not just. It, yeah, if you're gonna use something like millimeter wave, right? You're gonna need a billion base stations to cover everybody. So that's not gonna happen, obviously. And then if you do end up with a faster wireless pipe, you still need infrastructure, like a, a backhaul, some some thick uh, uh, physical fiber optic pipes to serve that network. You know, is that upgrade happening? If that upgrade ha was happening right now, it would be improving our LTE speeds that are typically around 50 down in most places I go in America, but they could theoretically be two, 250 down if there was fast enough backhaul. You know, like all these things like just make me wonder, we're like a decade away from 5G. We're not like on the cusp. Yeah, but that's true of LTE Sorry, Paul, as well. The free market's going to take care of that fiber problem. Yeah, that's what's going to happen. Hmm. If only I had interviewed Susan Crawford on this show about the looming <laughs> fiber crisis in America. Uh, no, I don't remember if I've done that. It's it's in there somewhere. Someone should someone should tweet at me if I've done that. That'd be great. Yeah. Um, no, the, I think the point Paul's making is absolutely right. But I I look at it for LTE deployment took a decade, right? And the first LTE right. phones were battery monsters as well. Like it's fine. I, I think everyone's just like a little bit over their skis. Like they're promising mm. things will happen with five G that will just won't happen for many many years. Uh, but in the meantime, uh, there's a logo on my phone that indicates that I get 19 <laughs> down, uh, which literally drives me insane every time I see it. I hate yeah. it. I hate it so much. And I think what is really interesting is no one's buying it, right? Yeah. Like, no one believes they actually have a, a 5G phone now. The early adopters who have iPhone XSs and whatever, they all know they're being lied to by AT&T, and I hope that... I really hope this industry takes a lesson from that. They just can't just lie to people anymore. I mean, are you gonna are you gonna switch carriers over it? Yeah. In order to switch, people ask me this question. In order to switch carriers, I literally have to uh, change my parents' security system because my dad bought the stupid <laughs> UVerse security system for their house. <laughs> so, no, that is not oh. what's gonna happen. <laughs> 
<laughs> it's the ultimate in lock-in. Like, will my parents' <laughs> door locks work if I switch carriers? I don't know the answer to that question, everybody. Beautiful handcuffs. It's like, it's like, Eli Patel story. My message has got nothing on AT&T. <laughs> and they, they, they called him and they just said, do you want a new security system? It'll be free if you upgrade your universe. And the man said yes. And now I have 5GE. And that's just where it's, that's just where I live. I don't. Know, I don't know. It's. I should. You know. I'm like an old man. I should not pay for my parents' cell anymore. But it's here just, I am. It's just some chaos theory right there. Instead <laughs> of a butterfly in Brazil. It's, just, it's so much. It's. It's so so much. All right. That's it. That's the Vergecast. Thank you for listening. Please check out our Creators Week coverage and push it one more time. It's so important to us. I think that community is underserved. I think it is a type of culture that is much more dominant than anyone gives it credit for. So check it out. Let us know what you think. Let us know how you want to push it. Please vote for us in the Webby Awards. We would love that. I would love to win that award this year. And then you can tweet at us. I'm at Reckless. Paul's Future Paul. Dieter's at Backlon. You can look for us on the platforms we're at. You can find us on Instagram. You can find us on YouTube. You can be everywhere. You can also listen to some other podcasts. It's Recode Media with Peter Kafka. Crossover with The Vergecast this week. We just ran the same inter- interview in both places. So check that out. It's pretty good. Uh, you can listen to Recode Decode with Kara Swisher. You can listen to Pivot with Kara and Scott Galloway. Our shows are coming back. Yeah, there's a secret Verge podcast. It's coming uh, a few months from now, but I'm very excited about it. I'm just, letting, I'm just hyping it one time. Yeah. No more information will be given to you. Fine. Okay. I know. <laughs> Thanks, Teeter. <laughs> That's it. Rock and roll. Goodbye. Paul. Promo code. Thanks to Canva for their support. Canva wants to make your presentations come as easy as those thoughts that pass through your head. And thanks to their AI, you can start with a simple prompt and watch Canva go to work. Choose your favorite style, customize the content, and you're done. It's a serious time saver. Whatever you do for work, Canva presentations can give you a head start on your deck. You can generate sales presentations, marketing decks, HR onboarding plans, you name it. Finish your deck faster. Generate slides in seconds with Canva presentations at canva.com. Designed for work.